Welcome to the Stanley Avenue Church of Christ podcast. We are studying through the book of Acts, and this week we are in Acts chapter 3. Please follow along. I'll read from the NIV, and then we'll make some comments afterwards. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at about 3 in the afternoon. Now a man was lame from his birth, was being carried to the temple called the Beautiful Gate, where he was every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked at him straight, and so did John, and when Peter said, look at us, the man gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit and begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called the Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know has been made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, and that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago to his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel and all the prophets who have spoken have foretold of these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each one of you from your wicked ways." This chapter here shows that uh, Peter and John waste no time into proclaiming the message. Uh, the message that, Je- uh, that Peter preached here in Acts chapter 2 is not a one-time deal. This is the pattern of preaching that Peter is going to adopt uh, for all his audiences. 
And uh, so as we begin to uh, dissect the story just a little bit, we find in verse 1 that they're going to the temple. Uh, they're going to the temple to pray. This is kind of the purpose for their going there. I don't imagine Peter knows exactly how his day is going to go, and by the time we get to chapter 4, his day is not going to go according to normal. But it is normal for them to go to the temple and for these Christians to meet for the purpose of prayer. Uh, we find back in chapter 2, verse 46, that all of them, uh, many Christians, were gathering together on a daily basis uh, for this. They weren't, a, they weren't afraid to be seen in public. In verse 2, we have this man who described here who's a cripple from his mother's womb. And of course, the significance of that is this man has never walked before in his life. He doesn't know how. His um, physiology is not capable of walking, and everybody knows this. He meets at the uh, the temple gate called Beautiful. Everybody who walks by knows about him. He's very recognizable. Uh, he would have been well known to everybody around, and I think that's the the reason why the Holy Spirit uses this opportunity here. In verse six, we see that the man has been asking for money, but he receives healing instead. We may not have money to share. Everybody's asking for money. Reminds me of what Jesus says that you know the uh, the poor and the rich or the the poor and the uh, the needy will always be among you. But you don't have access to Jesus all the time like this. Peter recognized that. And uh, in, in the face of, of this man here who needed help, he evaluated that this man didn't really need his money, even, even if he had the money. Rather, what he needed more was Jesus, which he couldn't get anywhere else. And so Peter evaluated that the best thing he could do for this man was to give him the name of Jesus. And of course, the Holy Spirit guides him into healing this man. By way of application, we shouldn't be stingy with our money. We're told to be generous people and to share and to help and to clothe one another and, and whenever people have need. But we have to recognize that we can, we who have the knowledge of Jesus, can give something the world cannot give. There will always be money in the world. There will always be money to find, money to get, and people to give money. But we have a message that this world does not have. We have a power that this world does not have. And this message and this power, the name of Jesus, is something every person really needs. We need to be able to see that like Peter did. When you have the opportunity, first focus on what they really need, which is the message of Jesus. If you have the funds and the ability to give, then certainly I'm sure Peter would have uh, helped him out with that. But what he needed was to hear the message of Jesus. And that's the message every one of us can give. Even if we don't have the funds to help everyone in the world, we can support uh, the message of Jesus Christ. In uh, verse 7, we are told that he is lame from birth, but he is healed and immediately able to walk. And we are described here, the um, even his, his ankles and his feet were strengthened. You can imagine a man who has grown up his entire life never using his legs. They're not physically capable of walking, and yet he's walking. We find that his muscles and his bones are able to handle this process. He's not, he doesn't even have to learn to do this. Our children have to learn over the period of weeks and months to learn how to walk, and even after that, learn how to run. This man is able to do this instantly. This is all part of the sign that the Spirit is using. In verse 10, 
We see the purpose of this is that this is gathering attention from everybody at the uh, temple. And these people going up to the temple, they're already pious Jews. They're already people who believe in God. They're going there because they want to worship. They want to pray. This is not a requirement of the law that they be there. And so the Holy Spirit is using this as an opportunity because this crowd should be receptive to the message. So as Peter uh, looks around and he sees all these people being amazed, he mentions in verse 12, he says, uh, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if our own power or piety have made him well? Well, who wouldn't be amazed? Everybody will be amazed when they witness this. Back in chapter 2, verse 43, we find that the Christians themselves, they are amazed at the wonders that the uh, apostles are doing. So Peter is not rebuking them for being amazed here. Rather, he's calling attention this. Men don't do this. If what happened here was something done by the power of Peter and John, well, then certainly you can be amazed. But this came through the power of God, and God, of course, has unlimited power, power to make the universe. So why would you be surprised if God uh, chooses to do this here and now? Therefore, really, the point is, if you recognize this is the power of God, then accept the teaching, and he's about to give them that teaching. Once we understand the power of Jesus, then nothing is impossible, and this paves the way for them to understand the message of Jesus a little bit better. So, getting into the message that Peter preaches here, the first thing he opens with is a rebuke. In verses 13 through 15, he rebukes them for what they've done. They are without excuse. Although God sent the Messiah to them to initially turn them first to his way, they are the very ones that killed him. And talks about here, they put to death the author of life. What worse thing imaginable is there to do than to put to death the one that gave you life? It is a complete denial of, of God's will. It is a complete rebellion against all goodness and everything that God has ever done with them up until this point in history. They are responsible for this, but he doesn't leave it there. In verses 16 through 20, he offers hope. Uh, the hope starting in verse 16 that faith is what caused this miracle. Peter was able and John were able to heal this man based on their faith in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus and faith in his name can accomplish the impossible. And right now what seems impossible is that they can be saved uh, from having killed the author of life. In verse 17, he acknowledges that their ignorance was the cause of crucifixion. So, in a way, there's a play on faith versus ignorance. You can't have faith in something you don't know about. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 10. And so, he's saying that we have knowledge of Jesus, we have faith in him. You, however, acted in ignorance, and that led to his crucifixion. Now, I don't think Peter himself is... Um, backing out of any responsibility here. He himself fled Jesus. He himself was responsible due to his own sins as well. The point is he has accepted faith in Christ Jesus, and uh, they have not yet. And so verse 19, he says that repentance is now uh, required for restoration. If you want to be restored, if you want to be saved, this is a message of hope. A hope for faith, a hope that ignorance can be overlooked and forgiven, a hope that repentance can, in fact, lead us to restoration. And then finally, he uh, ends with fulfillment in verses 21 through 26. He, he uh, summarizes the fulfillment that all the Old Testament had 
number one, that all the prophets spoke about Jesus. Verse 21, he says that uh, God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times. Or over in verse 24, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward announced these days. If these people who were pious Jews were going to hold to the authority of scriptures, especially to the law of Moses, they had to recognize that the prophets were speaking of some future fulfillment, some future restoration. And passages say, like Joel, uh, that Peter quoted back in chapter 2, they anticipate this restoration of God's people. Peter's letting them know that this restoration is now, and it comes through his Messiah. And notice that he refers to Jesus as his servant, kind of referring you back to uh, Isaiah 53. And so God's servant, God's Messiah, his Christ, he is the one who suffered and died because you killed him. But God has raised him from the dead, and that fills them with hope. These are the things that have been fulfilled. If you believe in the scriptures, that will lead you to believe in this as well. Verse 22 says, Moses spoke about this time as well, uh, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 18, that the prophet will be raised up like Moses from amongst the brethren, and they should listen to him. Jesus refers to this type of thing over in John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, at the, at the end of that passage, he's providing witnesses that he is credible, and the the message that Jesus brings is something that God wants. And at, John, at the end of John chapter 5, Jesus himself refers to the scriptures and says in verse uh, 45, Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed in Moses, you would believe in me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Moses then, then becomes a witness for Jesus. And Jesus says that the things Moses wrote about are fulfilled in me. He was writing about me. And that's Peter's point here. That this prophecy about the prophet who would rise up like Moses, you need to listen. And you need to understand that this is Jesus. Throughout Jesus' ministry, particularly the beginning of his ministry, people were wondering, is this the prophet? Remember, they even uh, thought that John the Baptist may have been the prophet. They're anticipating somebody that they should listen to, somebody who brought the oracles of God, who came with a message that they needed to listen to. Well, Jesus was this prophet. He was also the Messiah. And so they needed to listen to him. And the, the weight of this is in verse 23, that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed. Likewise, um, it, we need to listen to him. And so, if, uh, if we will listen to him, the implication is we can be restored. So, in verse 25, basically his point is that you, the, the Jews here of this time, are in a prime position to accept Jesus. They, of all people, should have been able to accept Jesus. They are the sons of the prophets. All the prophets were speaking about Jesus, and these are the sons of the prophets, the Israelites are. They have grown up from childhood knowing about these prophecies and writings. They have committed these things to memory, heard about them, anticipated them. They should have been willing to accept Jesus right off the bat. And so he tells them that uh, you are the sons of the prophets and you are the sons of the covenant which God made which your, uh, from your fathers. Uh, God has made this covenant with them and their fathers. And of course, the covenant draws you back to the law of Moses, but also the sacrificial system. God gave the sacrifices to 
forgive them of their sins. Well, they have just sacrificed, they have just killed the very author of their salvation, the very author of life, the one who wrote that covenant. They are the ones who killed uh, him. And so, uh, the prophets also say, as, as he quotes here uh, what God tells Abraham in verse 25, "...and in your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed." This is a passage they would have known quite well and probably would have looked forward to. They they probably thought that that was being fulfilled in their lives at that moment. The fact that they were the people of God, they had the the law of Moses that was blessing them, uh, that they were blessed because they were God's people. But the way Peter uses this here is that all the people of the earth will be blessed through this seed. You are in a prime position to accept this message and to be blessed. But what does this blessing look like? In verse 26, we are told that the blessing is a repentance. He says in verse 26, For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Even though they had the law, even though they had the law of Moses, they were the people of God, they were the sons of the prophets, they had the covenant, and yet they were performing wickedness. And that wickedness would not save them, or that uh, their position as uh, Israelites would not save them from their wickedness. However, God came to bless them. Jesus was sacrificed in order to bless them. He died so that we can be blessed by turning us from our wicked ways. And so, uh, this is the way the blessing, uh, this is what the blessing looks like that God told Abraham back in Genesis uh, chapter 12, that we would be turned from wickedness. The very fact that we are in wickedness and doing the things that we desire selfishly, that is a form of punishment. That, that is a form of evil that uh, creeps into our lives. We need to be freed from this. And of course, that's what the gospel message is all about. We can be freed through the name of Jesus. And so, reflecting back to the beginning of the sermon, if faith in Jesus Christ is capable of healing this man who was lame from uh, birth, is it not also capable of healing you of your sins? If the ignorance that caused the crucifixion God was willing to overlook, won't he also be willing to be willing to overlook some of the sins in your life even before you learned the gospel? But now that you have heard the gospel, what are you going to do about that? Because back in verse 19, again, remember, he says that repentance is required. You must repent. You must turn your life around. In other words, leave your wicked ways behind in order to accept the blessings. See, Jesus came to bring a blessing, but it's up to you whether you're going to receive it or not. You can either receive the blessings and then turn from your wicked ways, or you can reject the blessings by continuing in your wicked paths. And of course, the end of that is uh, utter destruction, he says, if you will not heed and listen to the message that uh, this prophet brings. So, uh, he basically gives us a second chance, a second chance to be God's people. We used to be uh, God's people, but we have all of us denied that glory. We have all given up that glory, whether Jew or Gentile, and all of us now need the name of Jesus to heal us from our wicked ways and so that we can be blessed. We thank you for listening and uh, hope that you can listen to us further in more studies throughout the book of Acts. Tune in again and you can find more of our material at stanleyavenuecoc.org.